0: That's the small talk. Now let's get down to business. Now, your programme.
1: What's the big idea? Well, they have going to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works.
0: I moved over here
1: and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a
0: number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a
1: lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job. Horrig Harrington is, of course, one of Ireland's most beloved sportsmen. But aside from all the titles and accolades and awards he's won across a glittering career, he is also just one of the soundest, most humble and likeable characters you can hope to be around. It's his clarity on subjects like leadership and focus, hard work, innovation and finding joy in what you do that, for me, makes every interview he does so rewatchable. That's just a few of the reasons why I'm so happy to have him back on Irishman Abroad this week. The other reasons, well, we are at a really unique crossroads in sports and golf specifically right now. Golf seems to be taking the brunt of the flack being doled out to those willing to take investment from Saudi Arabia. Why is this? Well, to catch you up really quickly, the Live Golf Tour is the name of the startup tour that is attempting to compete with the PGA in European golf tours. It's financially backed by Saudi Arabia, specifically Sheikh Mohammed bin Salman's Public Investment Fund. The plan is for it to host eight events during its inaugural season, with purses for those events totaling $225 million. I mean, it's it's mad money. Uh, while some of the most notable golfers competing on the new tour are rumoured to have gotten nine-figure paychecks to defect. Getting Porig's no-nonsense take on what the hell is going on and how the hell it's going to play out now that the PGA have banned the players who have signed up is a big part of this chat. But it's not the whole chat, the conversation we have is about everything from the Ryder cup to coaching your kids to love whatever activity they're in how his relentless pursuit of the edge inverted commas burned him out in his mid 40s and how he got it back what uh, do you do when a farmer stops you at a filling station in rural ireland well this is the interview that will give you those answers straight from the mouth of Pawra Harrington. You can access the full interview by signing up to Premium Irishman Abroad over on Patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad now. But this is the first half of that chat. Enjoy it. Pawra Harrington. it's brilliant to have you back on the Irishman Abroad. The last time we spoke, uh, you were telling me one of the things you were telling me was about tongue placement when swinging the club, (laughs) and it probably got more of a reaction than any sports episode we've ever done, that people were blown away that uh, you were working on which side of your mouth to place your tongue while swinging the club. Now, this is obviously in the effort to get the edge right. That was that was the thinking there. If we can get a tiny edge on your competitors with this tongue placement. That is that still the crusade that you're on to try and figure out the marginal gains? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, that word "marginal gains" has a has a
0: bad connotation to it now with the all that's happening with drugs and in cycling and things like that. Marginal mm. gains turned out to be drugs, so we might <laughs> say marginal gains. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, look, we're, we're always looking for the edge. They, I I think somehow the tongue thing has might have but grown legs? Can you say a tongue has grown legs? <laughs> uh, the story has anyway. So uh, uh, going back to the tongue thing, essentially, when I'm focused and concentrating, I tend to bite and stick my tongue out to the left. And when I'm not, I don't. Now, there's a lot of athletes that do that. And it's always, for a right-handed person, it's always to the left. Uh, whatever reason that is. So it's not that I was trying to do it. I would be aware that if I'm really deep in concentration and trying really hard, I will stick my tongue out to the left. It, it's amazing when it comes to focus and things like that. If you can learn, obviously you'd like to learn how to focus, but a- another thing you've got to learn is to notice when you're not focused. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of times we when we practice and when we're doing things, we daydream, we get away from what we're doing. For me, that's a little... A little reminder, I know if if I'm into something, if I'm really trying it, that I'll probably stick my tongue out to the left. So it's uh, something to be aware of. Yeah,
1: because I remember Johnny Sexton talking about the things that go through his head before taking a kick and how much it surprised people that he was, you know, he was thinking about the TV show he watched the night before. Uh, When you are on the course, You obviously have those, as you say, daydreamy moments where you think, did I did I leave the gas on? (laughs) Do I have to put out the bins tonight?
0: I am getting old, yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you would say that's a red flag or is that can that at times be a sign that you're so chill or so zen in the moment that you're not uh, you're not totally focused, it's actually just like a day, a day out, in a sense. Like yeah, it, no, no,
0: no. Hmm. There's a time and a place for it. So, ideally for uh, a golfer, or at least for me, because we have seen all of so, plenty of people do it different ways, but I, I think I'm doing it the right way, and, and the way I would recommend is you don't want to be in between shots in around the whole round, before after the evening. You don't want to be thinking do much about your golf. You don't want to be analyzing. You don't want to be brooding. You don't want to be getting into it. So the way not to think about your golf and to start doing that is to, is to be quite relaxed and thinking about the TV show, thinking about generally, you know, I play my best when I'm talking on the golf course, you know, Mm. when I'm, when we're gossiping, whatever it is, you're, you're, you're going along and you're in a completely different area. You're enjoying it, you're laughing, you're smiling. And then when you come to play your shot, you have a routine that is a sequence of events that always ends up. And this is the key to a routine. And I, I, I talked talk with Johnny because it's so similar. You have a routine. It's a sequence of events. That, the events themselves, people think that's the routine and that's what's important. You shouldn't get hung up on that because they can change. Things can happen to your routine that knock you out. But it's a sequence of events that lead you to the last point. And the last point is a familiar, comfortable, repetitive point that you go back to every time. And that's what's called be a good, that's what a good routine is. It's the familiarity at the end point. Oh, I'm comfortable. I know this. And your mind gets on with it at that stage and goes back into the automatic and lets it happen. If you want to know more about this, I don't know quite how that works. A great book out there is The Chimp Paradox by Steve Peters. Mm. Uh, which explains what's kind of going why you get angry in traffic and lose your temper that sort of stuff but from a sporting perspective it's about do a sequence of events that build build to the last point but the last point is one familiar thought, whatever it is one familiar it's a physical but really it's a thought. at the end this is what I do to pull the trigger you pull the trigger and off you go uh, so it, it, yes to answer your question, on the golf course, you want to be as relaxed and enjoying it and having as much fun as you can.
1: And then you go back into, for a couple of seconds, you go back into focus. And and that's when the tongue comes into play. Right. So I get it now. But it's just so fascinating to talk about. It. And every Wednesday on this show, we have Sonia O'Sullivan on to coach our listeners on running, and so much of what you're saying there is what she's been you know banging the drum for in terms of getting used to getting your body used to the cues that tell you now it's time to run now it's time to focus so that when the time comes it nearly happens automatically that it's nearly just uh, these triggers tip you over into what comes next and it's not really i guess getting the edge but it is for peak performance now when i've when i've prepared for today You said that the US seemed to have, you know, learned a lot of what gave Europe the edge in the Ryder Cup, applied it, and you wondered if maybe there isn't an edge to be found in the Ryder Cup anymore. Now, the playing field is totally level and it's going to come down to form. Do you still believe that?
0: Look, sport has always been like that. You know, if I go and look, you could go look at great football teams. you know, uh, at different stages, you, you could look at a team and go, well, they're never going to be beaten. They're unbeatable. They mm. have such a, not an edge. They have their streets ahead next team. And then all of a sudden, the next team will look at them and go, oh, that's what they're doing. Well, we'll close that down and we'll do a bit of this to counter it. And, you know, a team that you thought was unbeatable, two years later, they're being beaten. Mm. And so it's, it, it, every time you think you've got it, People that are going to learn from that, copy it, counteract it, which is, is nearly as important as, co- you know, sometimes there's no point copying it, but they can counteract it and have it. We see this. So, you know, every time our Irish rope gets to number one in the world or close to number one, we think, wow, this is unbelievable. But then the big teams will go, oh, hang on a second. Hmm. We've got to counter this and focus on this and, you know, they, they can deal with Ireland. So Ireland need to have a new idea the next time they get to the to, you know every time yeah. you've got to reinvent that, the wheel that's, that's it You reinvent cycle the cycle of sport it's not, yeah yeah and, and and going to go back to sanya there i yeah. would look to all sports to try and see what they're doing and it, it, it's very interesting in athletics because uh, uh, there's a lot of training programs you know people think you should stick to the same program but unfortunately and it shows up very much in athletics as you get older one size does not, definitely not fit all. So you could, give, you could give a bunch of under 20s the same program and pretty much everybody in the group would improve. But you wouldn't want to do that with a 25-year-old. You certainly wouldn't want to do it with a 35-year-old because not alone would some not improve, you could seriously damage some people by trying to train in the same way. And I think as you get older as an athlete, uh, you get to where you are in your sport by doing more than everybody else, doing more than the next person. Mm. But as you mature, you have to understand your own body and go, hang on a second. You know, I should be doing this this, this is my training program, but my body is telling me, no, I'm not ready. Mm. Uh, or another time your body is saying you are ready, or at least your head is saying you're ready. And then you have to have other ways of measuring it so that you go, hey. Hang on a second, I should not be pushing at this stage. I should be back down maintenance. I should be back down taking a, a bit of a break. And uh, so, yes, it, it changes. There's you know, if, if, if sport was that easy that we could all do the one program. And uh, well, I suppose different people be, I don't know if different people would be the best people, but it, it certainly wouldn't be the same thing. And it'd be much more predictable Whereas. Mm. uh that's the beauty of sport. We Everybody thinks they're doing the right thing. And remember, when it comes to golf, and especially because golf is, obviously you have the technical aspect of golf. We've seen so many golf coaches come and go, and, and, and if a player believes he's doing the right thing, it actually will be the right thing. So the belief in what you're doing and the confidence in what you're doing training-wise is very, very close to... Obviously, if you do the wrong problem, that's not great. But the belief is 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 so important. So you know, telling people like is it I explain it like this: If anybody out there is broke and they're thinking, "I, I need a new job," a sports psychologist for golfers, because you can come if you came to the golf tour and you, you got a few people to work with you, and you told them, is right, you know, if you hop off the first tee on your left leg, you're going to play great." Now. If one of them plays great and believes it, the following week you would have five guys <laughs> up and off to the first team and doing it. And if one of them goes on to win, the following week you'd have 30 guys paying you for that advice because it's about belief. And mm. if they think it's right, it is right it, in many ways, certainly for a short period of time. Uh, and yeah. so,
1: yeah, it's like sports psychology and golf. Yeah, I mean, the, the, uh, the kind of placebo effect nearly of what you're describing there, these things that become nearly I guess superstitions to an extent that, like, there's no way for that got uh, a sports psychologist to, to say that actually hopping onto the left leg, getting off the tee box allows your body to rebalance and gets you off on the right foot down you're, the fairway. You're, you're,
0: you're getting like, this, you're I getting can, this Charlie.
1: I <laughs> think you could be doing this, John. <laughs> who knows? I just got to post rationalise it afterwards. Right. But, they're, they're, yeah. you know, you're in the heat of battle in the Ryder Cup when, you know, you've got this, the money ball aspects of things in the background that have become so part of sport now, the data, the analytics, the guys in the background, the, the Jonah Hills with the glasses on going, this is the decision to make, it's the only decision to make. Where does the gut fit in that? Because according to it's those models... It's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite to what you just said.
0: You go with your gut and then you get the, the moneyball guys to to tell you, to pack okay, it up. To, to back it up in the sense of like if, if, if you wanted the money ball guys you'd let a computer run the whole show yeah okay so it actually works you go with your gut you figure out what works and there's a lot of things going on there's personalities there's, there's you know some guys can't play as much you know computer can't tell you that some guy is going to be tired in the afternoon or some guy's not going to play five times this week because he'd be tired going into the scene there's just lots of things or that you need to get a guy on the golf course or there's lots and lots of things to go in. So you figure that out with your gut. And then you go to the statistician guys, the 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 moneyball guys, and you say, Well, you know, this is what we're thinking. And they'll go, Yeah, you know, that's, that's that makes a, sense. It's it's close to what we would have said is perfect. So yeah, so, so
1: that's really interesting. So you go with the gut first and then turn around to the moneyball guys and go. Does this make sense statistically? Has there ever been a time when they've gone, no, Porig, that's just your gut talking? Or is your gut usually in line with the stats?
0: Uh, It's it's hard to say it would be far away Mm. in in many cases. Uh, You you could have a situation that you... It it certainly would be different to what they would present initially. Like Mm. if they said, oh, this is what we think. The problem with that is, you, you know, in the Ryder Cup, you have, uh, you know, you have eight guys out in a, in a session. So when you actually change one group, one pairing, it can have a knock-on to the three other pairings sometimes. Sure. So that's where the statisticians come in. That You, you might go, look, I need to play. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. Look, I put Tyrrell Hatton out on the Saturday afternoon. And he, one, he was very surprised because he felt he hadn't played well in the morning. Uh, mm. Which, you know, he wasn't, he's that type of character himself. He, he likes perfection. So he, anything less than perfection was certainly, but he, he's a tough, dogged guy who was who was actually getting the job done. So I had him out in the afternoon. When you put him, now you have a partner up there, all of a sudden, you know, that mightn't have been in the stats. Mm. So now they have to, you have to, you know, partner up with groups and figure out how. Well, if you put him in there; that takes that player out. This has to go. And where does he go? And, and all of a sudden, it, it can have it can have a big knock effect to the, the different partnerships. But it doesn't. Like, and I, I, it might turn around and say, "Well, you know, the four got the four partnerships you're putting out." Are 0.3 of a stroke worse than the the (sighs) partnerships that we came up with? Yeah, yeah. 0.3 of a stroke (laughs) in the whole day. You you know, know, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking, hang on a second, you're putting out partnerships here that are, you know, five shots worse than what the computer says you should put out there. So it. it, 0.3. Wow. That's all it could be. That's what you're talking very, and golf is terrible like that. You know, golf isn't tennis. The best player, you know, going out on the golf course can be, and we've seen this over the years. The best player can be beaten by the two hundred ranked player in the game, or, or further down at times. It just golf is is fickle. So point three is how it makes the difference. So it does really come down to you know a, a, a good break here and there, a, a, a one put that falls that doesn't mm-hmm. fall. You'd be surprised how tight it can be on in, in a golf in a golf match. So look, it's. It's one of those things I I said at the start of the week, I said it to my vice captains, I said, you know, we know more than the computer. That's Mm. just it. it. And there's a lot more going on. You you can't believe
1: with the personalities. Because I think that there's so much going on that the fan can never really know what, what it's like to be in it. I remember seeing you say that you had been in an hour long meeting over hats and you know, you were yeah. looking at these guys from <laughs> a new, new era going, I don't really wear, yeah. I'm not really a hat guy. Yeah. But yet this is just one tiny fragment of everything that goes into yeah, that, this thing.
0: That's the commercial side of the Ryder Cup and, and and the European side is quite commercial. So there is a lot of that to be done. Uh, but that doesn't deflect away from, that's well in advance the event. And, that. And, and yes, you do want your players to be happy. You want them to, to you know them to be at least as happy as they would be with their own uh, equipment uh, Mm. that they're playing in and and if anything actually make it a little bit better if you can so you know it's all important to try and make your team feel like uh, you feel like they're the stars that week that they're you know everything is being done about them
1: yeah well you say it doesn't detract right and that's well before it but you had said as well that we we will never really understand the distraction involved in playing in this, that for the players, there's so much kind of fanfare and carnival around this circus that is the Ryder Cup, that that's nearly the X factor that, you know, the Moneyball yeah, lads can't put in the computer.
0: That was somewhat disappointing at this one because of COVID.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no functions, nothing
0: nothing of of any great note in terms of the distraction was a lot less which suits the USD yeah you know they they, they they you know they want to just get on with being individuals and doing their own individual teams so they get frustrated with having to go to cocktail receptions and gala dinners and and everything that goals with being on a team and having to do team practices that take six hours rather than, you know, practicing at six o'clock in the morning for three hours, mm. you know, all that sort of stuff is, is a frustration to players who, but the Europe has dealt with it much better over the years. So yeah, I mean, I would strongly advocate for if I was the next European captain to make sure that all the, the, Inconveniences are brought back, because <laughs> we, def- we definitely deal with it very it well. Guys you know, better. yeah, yeah suits us better. You know.
1: you know, the emotion that came with it is something I really wanted to ask you about, because, you know, whether it's Andy Murray, uh, you know, welling up on centre court in Wimbledon or Sonia, you know, crying in 1996, it humanises these people that we just see as players. Just avatars on the TV going around doing extraordinary things, the emotion that was all over you guys at the end of this was something I've never seen in golf um how How was that to live that and what do you think made it as emotional as it did well we're just' it's, it's, we're just not used to being in a team it,
0: it's the team environment for the, for the players. Yeah, we're we can we, not only we not used to the team, we're competing against each other every other week of the year and all of a sudden we're in this team environment helping each other out and not wanting to let the other our other teammates down. And mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's that emotion we just don't get, we just don't have and, and and it really is over the course of the week. It was a very strong team at the Ryder Cup. I, I, the team bonded very well. Everybody got on well. There was a really good atmosphere in the team. So, you know, you could see it, that, uh, you know, when you get beaten, it's, it's disappointing. You want to deliver. You want to, you know, you want to really deliver for your, your friends, your team. And and, and there's, there, from our perspective, it, it really is different for golfers. Like, there's a lot of people because of the Ryder Cup have made good friends amongst other europeans whereas they would see them as competitors they wouldn't see the different side of the players mm-hmm. if they didn't have the Ryder cup and and i suppose it comes out on the golf course Uh the highs and lows i mean it, you know the Ryder cup it's pressure packed the whole week there's a lot of luck going you know the adrenaline is there uh Seven days, well, close to seven days, you know, it's pretty pumped up all the time, and there's there's a lot of stress. stress. Yeah, so, you know, you could see it coming out, you know, there's no doubt about it. That, you know, obviously, the one you're probably alluding to most is is Rory uh, when he finished up, and, you know, he was under pressure. He wants to deliver, you know, and and it it just shows how much the players care. But the fact is, it's a lot of stress and emotion. and, and as I always say with the Ryder Cup, it's a distinctly different event, the Ryder Cup, in the sense if the only time I'd feel pressure at a tournament is if I, well, I'm, you know, if it's a big enough tournament, i feel pressure at the very start. You want to get into it. But in general, you'll feel pressure at the end of the week. So if I feel pressure on a Sunday afternoon, it means I'm in contention. It means i you know, got a chance of winning the tournament. If I've got a chance of winning the tournament, it means I've played well for the last sixty-three holes. So I'm pretty feeling pretty good about myself <laughs> yeah. when I'm under pressure. Yeah. Whereas the Ryder Cup, you know, Rory went out into that last round there where he won the singles. He was put out number one and it was put up to him. That's essentially what it was. You, Rory, you're going out number one. You're the leader of this team, go lead. Okay? So it's put up to him. But he's going out there not feeling good about his game. Can you imagine that? Like it's not like Rory had you know, was playing the best golf of his life and dropping and onto the tee like he's six foot tall, he's going out there feeling pretty low about his game. So you can imagine how that emotion is building up about him. and then he delivers under the toughest of circumstances. Yeah. So it, it really is, that's why the Ryder Cup is, is brilliant. It should always remain brilliant because of the fact that you're seeing players in this different environment to what you normally see them on TV when they're feeling good and, Everything's rosy in the garden. you are seeing players who could be who not feeling great about their games, who are struggling along, but you're asking them to still uh, perform at their best.
1: Mm. And it's so it's so special, right? And we all agree and understand the fans of the game and anyone with eyes who watches any sort of sport will tune in for it because it is so unique and so special. Do you feel that what is taking place now in terms of the axis of this game the you know the curvature of the earth changing in golf that the ryder cup is something that a bit like the you know the northern ireland protocol is being forgotten in all of this that this thing might not be the same at the end of all of this
0: look the ryder cup as you as you said it's one of the few events where the us are competing in a team event that really it's put up to them. Hmm. You know, you know their main sports. If you you know, obviously with with baseball, basketball, and football, they're not competing against anybody else but themselves. It's internal. Hmm. Here's a sport. Okay, they do individually and in other sports, but here's a sport, a team sport where the U.S. Okay, they're playing against Europe, but the rest of the world, it's nearly like the rest of the world are rooting against the U.S. because <laughs> it it's a team event where it's one on one. Like we could go back to the, to, you know to ice hockey in the, the Olympics or something mm. like that. It's that sort of, you know, there is a rivalry there and the rest of the world want you know, hey, we, let's put the US in their place type thing, isn't it? It's, it's, sure. Uh, so there is always the chip on the shoulder. There always will be that that we're, we're trying to prove ourselves in Europe that we're just as good as the US. Uh, yeah. What's happening in, in World Golf at the moment? It's going uh, change to that say if players can't play obviously is the obvious one that you're probably thinking about Yeah, but the other alternative which is, is is not good if everybody plays on the PGA Tour the Ryder Cup turns into the President's Cup yeah that's an exhibition I mean not the, you watch the President's Cup
1: Oh, and
0: I, there you go it's it's, it's an it's, exhibition between 20, 24 friends Because they all play in the same tour. Nearly all of them do. Whereas the Ryder Cup is us against them. So if everybody is dragged into playing the U.S. tour, it diminishes the rivalry in the Ryder Cup. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, uh, that's aside from if players can't play. So, yeah, it is interesting to see where the Ryder Cup goes. Like, you know, you go to the President's Cup, everybody plays every match. That's like underage football.
1: I mean, how does that yeah, make you yeah, feel yeah, when you think about
0: I'm worried for the Ryder Cup the, you know there needs to be, uh, you know, that I, I I I know when the players talked, there needs to be that element of chip in the shoulder in Europe in order for us to compete and beat the US. And you know, when I started in the Ryder Cup in '99, I had to be introduced to a fair few of the US team hmm. like I, I didn't I'd never met them and that, there was certainly some, I know I played Paint Stewart the, the first day and he introduced himself at the at that gala dinner or cocktail reception the, the night before as in I didn't know now that sets them and ups if you know what I mean it sets it apart doesn't it when you you, you know when, when it's like that whereas in the familiarity, everybody knows everybody. Everybody's nice to everybody now. There's very little, you know, there was a lot of uh, niggle back in 99. Uh, now, you know, there's a little bit on the golf course. There's a little bit between the teams. And and, and that's the way it should be. There should be some rivalry. Uh, but outside of the golf, we're all friends at this stage, or mostly, mostly friends anyway. Uh, so there is a lot more familiarity and there's a less there's less of the conspiracy theories that were going around in the 99, I'm sure that now. Yeah, uh, I remember. Uh, yeah, but but like,
1: Poryg, this does change those relationships, does it not? Like what we're looking at in terms of oh, Saudi yeah, investment, yeah, yeah. nearly it's, those introduce rebels. Yeah, but... It, like these guys are being depends. villainized; They're being kicked out. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the PGA Tour are trying to protect their... their, their yeah. Their tour, the PGA Tour, are doing everything they can to to protect what they've got. Uh, yeah, well, we don't know how it's going to pan out. I'm sure the players who have gone believe that it's going to be changed or it needs to be changed uh, at this moment, which is, like, uh, amazing. Like, there hasn't been an official comment from Europe yet. mm mm-hmm. Uh, so we just don't know where they stand European. Obviously, the US guys, they, the Ryder Cup is a different event to the PGA Tour. And uh, the PGA of America, so far, have said they're going to side with uh, the PGA Tour. But that, I'm not sure if, the, you know, we don't know. We it, It's still up in the air where, where these, what the PGA of America does. But it is separate to the, the you know, they run the Ryder Cup, not the PGA Tour. Mm. Uh, so it is possible that everybody will outplay in the Ryder Cup, and I think some of the players are hoping that. But this certainly it would bring back up some rivalry, reset if they all could play. Uh, sure, you know, but, uh,
1: like the the amount no, of no,
0: no doubt, I, there's no doubt the players who have not gone. You know, there's an element of FOMO. Mm. You know that they're worried that five years time everything will be normalised and these guys will have. A, have uh, you know made a fortune yeah. compared to them? Let's say, uh, and I'm not talking the guys at the top. Like everybody wants to keep talking about these guys at the top. They're, they're, they're the last people that it's it's the guys who are just off the top who aren't getting big appearance fees, aren't getting attracted to these contracts, uh, you know, multi million you know contracts. They, those are the guys who get most effects, and those yes. are the guys you're talking about that are just you know, going to make Ryder Cup teams, uh, you know, things like that, but they ain't quite doing the, the same as the guys who are guaranteed making Ryder Cup teams, let's say, are right at the top. So it's, it's, it's a, it would be interest. It really is interesting to see how it affects the Ryder Cup. We don't want the Ryder Cup too times, We don't want everybody who plays in the Ryder Cup to be basically playing at the PGA Tour because then, as I said, it turns into a friendly match rather than, a uh, you know,
1: a bit of, and there'd be nothing Much, worse. Uh, yeah, there'd be nothing worse. The joy we of it is, of nice, the, is the bite in, in the contest. Yes.
0: Uh, absolutely. And we've we've plenty of nine scalp tournaments. It's nice <laughs> yeah. to have, as you said, a, a bit of bite in there and and uh, so look, I, I I don't have the answers. I'm waiting for uh, so is everybody else, waiting for the what the European tour where they what they say and what they come up with. Uh there is certainly huge turmoil in golf at the moment and I I I worry myself personally I worry what the fallout is for golf. Golf seems like a it's amazing when you're sitting here what listening and watching to all this stuff. It's so easy. It's it's one of those things in life golf that you're allowed to bash. You know so many mm-hmm. things in this day and age, you know, you can't say it, you can't make a joke about Mm-hmm. But it's okay to like golfers seem to be getting the grief at the moment. You know, all
1: golfers, all the well, golf, I, it's like, well, I guess golf they're rich white guys, right? The rich that's, white that's, guys, yeah,
0: that's you, what I mean. This yeah. image, you can make it, Joe. And like, I've, I've seen journalists involved in the golf retweeting and stuff, and like, it's anti golf. I'm going, mm. you know, anti golf when, when it's like a tiny few golfers who have gone out. Gone there, like it's it's that like like how can you label everybody, you know? Mm. And and I do I don't want golf to get a bad rap, bad image, you know, on golfers. As I said, it just seems to be like like as we know in Ireland, how about Golfgate? Yeah, it was a hotel. It (laughs) happened in a hotel. Nothing to do with golf. Yeah, it it had. it had a veryness to do with golf, but let's bash golf. I mean, mm. like, golf has been great for Ireland. Like you just like I, I, people though, like the people who play golf. You, you need to be, you do need to be rich to play golf. Rich in time. That's all you need to play golf, golf is time. And and yes, there is a bias over the years to you know the person, the person who had time was taught to be the banker, the stockbroker, that type of person. But the reality is you go to a bathroom, it's taxi drivers, it's barmen, it's anybody on shift work. It, 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 it saves the life of so many people who, you know, who work hard hours, you know, and have time in the day, you know, to stop them going off the rails. They, they, their attention is put to golf. Like You only have to look at the, the, the tour players who play golf. Like if you look at the Irish tour players, Every one of us, our, of us, come from at best, you know, middle class. At hmm. best, like we're, you know, my dad was a policeman. I go through Rory's dad's a barman. Shane's hmm. dad was a, a an electrician. Uh, you know, we're basically, you know, we're as ordinary as you get. And that's yeah. what golf is. But you know, it, it does have it, it does have that image of, and it's easy to bash it. And this moment in time really isn't helping things that they, you know, they're coming out against golf rather than necessarily coming out against the the, let's call them the the rabbits.
1: There's obviously more to talk about there. uh, But obviously there's a ton of things that I'd really like to talk to you about. Uh, And I guess, well, first of all, congratulations on turning 50. It does feel like an age ago since we spoke. But I wanted to ask you, as a man who turned 40 since we spoke, what do you feel is the difference between Porry Harrington the golfer at fifty and Porick Harrington the golfer at forty? Well at forty I, I would have been right in the tick of things at forty. Uh,
0: I would think looking back on it, probably by forty five I would have been forty five I would have been burnt out. Really? Uh, at the game. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. I you know golfers get about twenty years of competition you, you can you can look at nearly all the the certainly i I say big careers, but say the public careers that you could actually look at. They all start out a couple of years to get going, you know twelve, fourteen years of good play. and then there'd be certainly four or five years of those people's careers that to the general public they look the same. But they're on that slippery slope. They're on a downhill slope. So, most careers, 20 years max. And, uh, you know, by the time I probably got to about 20 years, you know, like, like I was 2016. I know I won in 2016, but everybody gets an outlier too. You can throw in a tournament <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but I was finding things hard. I was working really hard and it just, you know, trying hard. All that stuff, to, you know, really, you're putting it in, but it's just it's just eating you up. And, uh, you know, I had a look at doing some commentary, which I really like doing. I had a look at some uh, coaching, uh, which I do my, my Paddy's Golf Tips on YouTube for that. Hmm. You know, and, but I kind of probably came to the conclusion uh, 2017, 2018, you know what? I really love playing golf, really love. I love traveling the world, playing the best golf courses, the excitement everywhere we go. So how can I do that without literally you know, killing myself every week? So I kind of looked at it and, and said, and, and this, this is valid for a lot of people will have burnout in their own jobs. Yeah, 100%. You've got to figure out what you, what you like doing and do more of that and less of the stuff you don't like there. So it's it's not a question of somebody giving up their job and trying to find a new career because you're not gonna find you know, it's rare you're gonna be any good at anything else after twenty years or or get as good at what you're doing, if you know what I mean. It's it's just the way it is. So you've got to pick and choose more. Surely that's what twenty years of playing golf has done for me is allowed me the a bit more choosy and, and where I go, what cities I go to, you know, stay in nicer hotels. So like, if you turned around to me and says, well, uh, there's a hotel beside the golf course, or there's a hotel 40 minutes away in the city, I'm staying in the city. That's the thing You know, whereas in my major part of my career, I have stayed in some absolute hovels just to be close to the golf course. <laughs> I, I, I I remember moving to a golf I remember playing in Rome one year and stayed at a beautiful hotel in Rome, but as anybody knows, you don't get very far in Rome with the traffic. So I moved out to a motel that had a steel door. <laughs> like it was a steel door. Like, I'm telling you, I this like is, a stable. <laughs> it, 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 a stables would be a lot The Stables I've seen are a lot nicer. <laughs> uh, but this had a, a full steel door, pulled the car up to the outside of it. Uh, yeah. But that's what I did, because the golf was first and foremost. Mm. You know, different things. Like, if you turned around to me back in the day and said, uh, we've got a great restaurant, book day you talk like all the lads are going. I'd become, well, no, I'm I'm going to the gym. I'm seeing my physio and I give that a miss. It doesn't suit me. Now I'd be going great. Well, I don't care. Whatever else I have on that can change. I'm going out dinner with the lads and having, enjoying myself. You know, so these are the differences that you, 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 obviously they're not hard differences. I'd choose to go to a nicer venue, a nicer tournament Mm -hmm. than necessarily a, a bigger, more competitive event. There's, there's and, lots of can, little things that I would do just, just to
1: enjoy it. And can you can you only get there through having done those years where you, prior to 45? Because I'd imagine that if you were doing that at 40, you mightn't have had the results you had during that purple patch. Is this just a reflection of, as you said earlier, how the training plan has to adjust? With you as you adjust as a as a person, that you know now I that know. at this point in my life, to get the best out of me, I need to be social much more so than I need to be bench pressing ten pounds more this evening.
0: Yes, it it, it it it's it's just the way life goes. Everybody's slightly different. Like somebody was asked me, a young player was asked me the other day uh, about losing your temper on the golf course, strong clubs, and. Like I would say, oh, geez, that's, that's definitely don't want to get angry on the golf course. You want to stay upbeat. You don't want to be analysing, brooding, all this sort of stuff. But we've seen plenty of players who are successful who do do that. Yeah. So it, it, you can't it, you can't say it's a one size fits all, and and you have to develop that the player yourself and see what works for you. Uh, yeah, uh, but experience will change again up to a certain age, you you have success because you do more than the next person. Then you have success because you do it right, not more. You do what's per- right. And I suppose at my stage now, uh, you know, I, I, I used to have to get up before my tea time. Like it, it was two, two hours, 45 minutes plus travel time. To, I think it, maybe it was even three hours at one stage plus travel time for the course. So like if I've got a 7.30 tea time, I'm up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Lord. You know, if I have a 7.30 tea time now, I, I, I look at my watch and going, right, I can cut my exercises down in the morning to like 15 minutes, 20 minutes on the range. You know, I'll turn up maybe an hour before and still want that, and still have breakfast in that hour <laughs> and go out and, you know, I just, you know, before it was 45 minutes of exercise. Like, I used to do 45 minutes in my room. I used to have... 20, 20 to 30 minutes, depending on uh, 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 morning. It would be 20, 30 in the afternoon, physio. And then I'd do a 10 to 15-minute dynamic warm-up. And then an hour. And an hour was never really enough. Maybe an hour, an hour, five, there hour, 10 minutes on the range. Like, uh, that's all good. Like, and then I'd want to practice after my round. Like, it was <laughs> so consuming. But that's that was my personality. That's not yes. what everybody does, but it was my personality. And I, you just can't keep that
1: pace up. So, so I, that I, epiphany, I, I, though, Pori, changed. So that epiphany does that it's, take? Is it is it like a light bulb, or is it gradually? Is it sitting down with a sports psychologist? Is it sitting down with your wife? I mean, no. I tell you how how it pretty much happened. So you know, I would
0: have been playing the PGA Tour, and you know, it got very tight in the PGA Tour every week. And within a shot, a shot of inside the cut or outside the cut, so you're stressed all the time. But I'm missing mm. plenty of cuts, and it's hard work, and I'm pressed. Um, by the way, when you're when I'm out playing the PGA Tour, I missed a cut on a Friday, and I'm playing the tournament next week. I'm kind of stuck. I can't fly back to Ireland, mm. so I'm spending two days on the range with me practicing with everybody that's playing the tournament. Like yeah. I wouldn't do that now. I'm not going to quote and put myself through that heartache of fraction in front of the guys who've made the conference, you know what I mean? You just, mm. that's not, you know, dope, things like that. So it's all hard, it's difficult, you're, you're, it's a grind. So uh, basically I would have uh, I would have missed out in the FedEx Cup and come across to Europe and played a few events uh, in Europe. Uh, and Peter Larry, Damien McGrain would have been playing in Europe at the time. So I would have been going out for dinner in the evening. Catching up with these guys and and Peter and Damien were, were great company uh, on the tour and I could see the difference in well I'm actually enjoying these events regardless of how the golf was going Yes, yeah. Whereas everything in the states was related to how was the golf going and the golf was just hard work, hard you know
1: grind, just a
0: grind. Yeah, so I could see the difference when I came back to Europe. That, you know, and there's various difference You're I've been coming back at the end of August, start of September, so like Tuesday and Thursday, Thursday nights, the League football. Everybody goes like you go to an Irish pub, yeah, at the golf in a golfing venue, like like in the city that we're in, and like half the tour in that pub watching the matches. You know, it's it's just a different it's life. Like we may have smaller money tournaments in Europe and that, and, but then. For a European life in Europe is so much more uh, enjoyable than in the states. It gets very convenient. Hmm. Uh, so, like you, essentially, as I say, this you can stay in the same hotel room every week of the year in the states. Basically, looks the exact same. When you leave to go out for dinner, the minute you, whatever you can, you drag it out on your own. You don't need to make arrangements because there's restaurants everywhere. And you drive down the road, every restaurant you see, you know exactly the experience you're going to have mm. the minute you process same the, menu, textual, the
1: everything.
0: It. Yeah. But it's, it, it, you know, yeah, it's just not just the same, you just know it's the same experience. Yes. They're going to deliver it. They're going to deliver what you expect. Whereas in Europe, you know, you've got to ask somebody, well, have you found a good restaurant? And, you know, the likelihood is, yeah, we found, well, do you want to join us or? We, there's a great sushi place at this place or that place. You wouldn't dare, well, it's very rare that you dare pitch up at a restaurant in Europe without at least having some bit of a, of a recommendation. But yeah. you, I, I, and again, another thing in Europe, you know, a lot of times the restaurants won't open until eight o'clock at night. So you, you <laughs> kind of you, you feel like you're out living a life. Whereas in the States, a lot of players will, you, you'd be amazed the amount of players that do not go outside their room. They get room service or takeaway on the way home from the golf course, and sit in a room watching their sports. Which you know, I can't get into the college sports at all in the states. And as it goes to professional sports, yeah, I can I can watch the ones that are important. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it's not players, it's not
1: really living, is it? Like living, no, no takeaway food I'm in not, a hotel would, room is not life.
0: Yeah, well, I would say that I would say to anybody that the worst thing you could do for your health is spend time in a hotel room. You, you will look at that four walls and you will start overthinking everything. So even if you're, even if you have to, even if you're stuck in a hotel and you're going to have the room service, go down to the bar and have the room service in the bar, as in sit there where there's other people, you don't have to talk to them. You just sit there where there's life. Cause if you sit in your room you're going to overthink it. Yeah, it's that's when the demons a, It's come. not a healthy place. Yeah, it's not a healthy place.
1: Well, you know, Devin Toner is a, a friend of the show. He's done the show before and uh, we're both dads. And he said to me that he won't be coaching his son. He said that that's for someone else to do. Uh, my, my lad's 11 now, and I think I've been conscious of this quote from you that has stayed in my mind for years and that's that everyone should be allocated someone else's son to teach. <laughs> and I'd love you to explain that a bit better because sometimes when you're down there and the temptation to, to coach him is there it, it must it, it, like it must be nearly irresistible for you por when it's kind of in your DNA to guide you enjoy filling people in oh, on I, I, what's been your yeah, experience. You're I, I, a teacher.
0: Yeah, I love it. And and yes, it's it's one of those frustrating things, how much to get involved. When I've got involved over the years, I've tried to get involved with the team. So, mm. you know, certainly, if, 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 say, when it comes to golf, if my lads are inside the golf practice around the house, my lads would never think of using either of them. But well, if their friends are here, their friends, oh, I'd like to do that. So I'd go down <laughs> and give the friend a golf lesson, and then my sons would kind of go, oh, "I want to, you know, what are they doing? I want to be better than that." Yeah. if you know what I mean. So yeah, a little bit 100%. of complication. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have changed my, or developed my attitude towards what if you want to get your kid into sport and golf, let's say golf first because that that's kind of what I know. Mm-hmm. You're better off making sure they enjoy themselves and enjoy the experience and then they'll become good rather than trying to, which I think we're all guilty of this, we try and make them good at the sport so that they like it. I think in hindsight, I think they should like it first and then they'll figure out a way of becoming good. Yeah, now, so get crack out golf, of it before,
1: but crack is number one.
0: Yeah, the kids will figure it out if they like it, if they love it. So the number one thing for golf is when you bring your kid to play golf, do not be stressed yourself. Do, so do not go to a stressful environment. Do not go to somewhere where there's rules and regulations that you're worried that your kid's going to break because that stress, your kid will see that and will not want to be there. They would pick up on those cues. Yep. Bring them somewhere where you're not stressed. Let them run riot and have fun. Do whatever they want. I would say even stop them before, make them go home before they're finished. So if they're enjoying themselves, instead of waiting till they're knackered and finished and don't want to do it anymore, so say to them, right, we've got to go. And they'll go, no, I don't want to go. You say, no, we have to go. As if yeah. make it's bit, give that temptation... It's a bit like the gym. If you leave the gym after 30 minutes, you'll want to go back the following night. If you wait an hour and a half in the gym, you'll be so tired the following night, you'll never want to go back.
1: Absolutely. So, it's like a night yeah. out. Leave before the night out gets sloppy. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we never do, don't <laughs> <laughs> oh. But, but, but that, that, that definitely... And I would also say, early on... Early on, I would certainly go down the road of when you finish the golf again, have a few minutes. Like the idea, especially if you, you that, you go to the to, if you have a nice place, you go sit down and have a, a Coca Cola with your kid, something yeah. like that. Some sort of what I, I don't know if a kid you consider that a treat nowadays, but I would have when I was a kid. Sure, so something that again. That the kid is well, like literally, if you go and sit down after the golf, you're not stressed. You have a coke; it's a bit of a treat or whatever it is, an ice cream or whatever, looks something like that. I guarantee your kid, eighty years time, eighty years time, yeah. will still be enjoying that moment that he had with his dad or his yeah. mother at the, that. The
1: time. ice cream as the the positive reinforcer at the end of it It will yeah. be what it's stage, still be enjoying it is. forever. Yeah,
0: it just oh, I gotta I gotta sit and do this because I used to do this with my dad. Mm. So it's, or my mum, I shouldn't say. Yeah. So it really is about making sure the experience is unbelievable. Forget the golf. doesn't make a damn difference how they play it
1: four years of age or eight years of age. They'll figure out the golf. Okay. Well, there you have it. The first half of my conversation with Pory Harrington, And as I said at the top, there's so much more on the Live Golf Tour. In the second half of this interview the only way to hear it is over on patreon.com forward slash irishmanabroad that's how we support the show through you this is a crowdfunded podcast so if you'd like to access our first poor harrington interview or maybe my conversation with shane lowry or the hundreds, literally hundreds of episodes that are in our archive, you want to go to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and the space of a couple of clicks, you get a link, you pop that in your podcast app and it populates for you to download and bring with you whatever episodes you like. But there is so much more. Bory gave me about two and a bit hours of his time. So you've got tons more to enjoy if you come over there this week. We obviously have two other weekly podcasts that come out on a Wednesday and a Friday. One is with another Irish sporting legend, Sonia O'Sullivan. You don't want to miss that because we're heading down our half marathon challenge where Sonia will coach you to run a half marathon in Antrim. On August 28th, loads of you have signed up to do it. So come over and you can get her training plans every Wednesday, her coaching. And on Friday, Marion McKeown has been taking a deep dive into these hearings about January 6th. It's absolutely riveting stuff. She knows it better than anyone. And it's all available to our premium subscribers for just a fiver a month. You can be in and start enjoying all that Irishman Abroad has to offer.